This episode is brought to you by Falls Village Market, located in the center of Oriskany Falls. 315-821-7244. Opens 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. They offer meat platters for parties, fruit platters, and chicken barbecue. The best in Old Falls. Go see Bottle, mention the podcast, and he'll give you a free cup of coffee. Hello and welcome to an undisclosed location. This is Murder Incorporated. I am Buddy. And I'm Harley. Maury Troy Travis was one of the most vilest predators of the early 2000s. But for the most part, not much is known about the sadistic murderer. Tonight, we will unpack this case as best as we can. And with that, here's Harley. Thank you, buddy. So I went into this case not knowing anything and came out of it knowing not much more. <laughs> Feeling very much unsatisfied. Huh. All right. Well, this is going to be a fun one. But it's a super interesting case, so I wanted to cover it because, right, cool. I mean, it's more recent, which is cool, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just it's super interesting. Okay. So throughout his two-year killing spree, Maury brutally tortured, raped, and strangled upwards of 20 women. Wow. All the while documenting his sadistic crimes on mm. video. Oh, jeez. So he's taping this. Wow. Travis preyed upon the marginalized and impoverished communities, specifically targeting sex workers and women of color as his victims. Jeez, oh, okay. Marie Troy Travis was born on October 25th, 1965, in St. Louis, Missouri. His parents divorced when he was a young boy. Despite this, Travis had a fairly normal childhood. This isn't going to be the story of some victim that goes on later to be a victimizer, okay? Because this man had every chance at a normal life, and I can't stress that enough. All right, so we don't have a normal pattern then, huh? No. And uh, for most of his early life, he flew under the radar, way under the radar. Almost nobody from his high school even remembered who he was. Hmm. He was described as being quiet and withdrawn. Upon graduating high school... Travis served two years in the Army Reserve and eventually went on to attend Morris Brown College in Atlanta. Okay. His time at college was short-lived as he quickly became addicted to crack cocaine. Oh, Joyce, so we had a little crackhead, huh? Yep. His addiction caused Travis to commit several robberies, and during the winter of 1989, he pled guilty to five counts of robbery, serving five years for his crimes in prison. Okay. Before finally being paroled. Incarceration did nothing to help his psychopathy. Mm-hmm. And during mm-hmm. his time in prison, Travis found himself powerless to his drug addiction, landing in multiple stints in jail over the next few years. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Travis's addictive tendencies would seal his fate, finding himself locked in a downward spiral. On March 19, 2001, Travis was released from prison. He swore to himself that he would never spend not a day in prison again. We've heard that story before. Yes, we have. After his release, it took only weeks before Travis began preying on sex workers. So this is a lot like Ed Kemper. Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah, he I was goes the same in, thing. He goes in and learns, mm-hmm. you know? And he's got time to fantasize about what he's going to do when he gets out. Yeah, and, and he, once again, another person that's in jail and... They, they don't learn, they don't do anything, the prison system doesn't do anything good for them, and they just get out to 
do more damage. I mean, you went in a robber and came out a murderer. Yeah. So that tells you a lot. So he would entice his victims into his home under the pretense of sex and the promise of cocaine. Once inside the house, Travis would then convince them to let him tie them up, pretending he was into BDSM. Mm -hmm. From there on, they became his captive, sometimes for days, for weeks, maybe even longer. We don't know. During his twisted torture sessions, Travis would beat these women mercilessly, poking them with a stun gun and raping them with foreign objects. Oh, jeez. All the while documenting these attacks on video. Wow. Yeah. By the end of 2001, Travis had brutally slain seven women. Oh, jeez. It's just horrible, horrible. Despite Travis's ever-expanding list of victims, the murderers had garnered very little media attention. Really? Yeah. Police were reluctant to entertain the idea that a possible serial killer might be at large. The victims were classified as high risk by law enforcement because most of the women were involved in sex work mm-hmm. and varying degrees of substance abuse issues also. Mm-hmm. The deaths were merely a consequence of their transient lifestyle. It wasn't until an article was published by a local newspaper that Travis would be caught and they would see any semblance of justice. On May really? 19, yeah. On May 19, 2002, Bill Smith, a reporter from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, wrote an article about Teresa Wilson, one of the prostitutes that had been found murdered and dumped in a roadside ditch along Highway 67 in St. Charles County. This article attempted to humanize the victim and spoke about her love for her daughter. Mm-hmm. This approach pissed off Travis as he probably didn't like the idea that the women he killed were anything other than whores. Yeah, yeah, they humanized the woman. They they actually made her into, or he made her into a, a real woman. Yeah. So, wow. Travis didn't like that. What a sadistic man. Okay. So on May 21st, 2002, reporter Smith received a letter and a map in the mail. The American flag was affixed neatly upside down. The return addressed cited a masochist website devoted to naked women in chains. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Inside, under a bizarre graphic of flowers, rakes, and a beehive, Smith found a note typed in red. Nice sob story about Teresa Wilson read. Write one about Greenway. Write a good one. And I'll tell you where many others are. To prove I'm real, here's directions to number 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. Search in a 50-yard radius from the X. Put the story in the Sunday paper like the last one. The second sheet of paper contained a map of nearby West Alton marked with an X. The map had been downloaded from Expedia and through a subpoena to the website and internet service providers, authorities were able to determine that there was only one person who had clicked on that map. Really? Yeah. So they went in there and they're like, oh, who searched this map that day? Yep. Yep. Marie Travis. On June 17th, Stephanie Simon of the LA Times wrote an article regarding the steps taken to identify Travis. She wrote that the first step taken was to surf the net for travel sites whose maps may match the ones sent to Smith. It was quickly discovered the maps came to Expedia.com. This is not an ad for Expedia. This is just who he used. Mm-hmm. She wrote, such online browsing can be tracked. Because each time a computer user connects to the internet, he is assigned a unique number. An IP address. Known as an IP address. Mm -hmm. Each site he surfs, each page he looks at, 
is linked to that individual IP address. In response to a court subpoena, Expedia was able to identify each user who had browsed the West Alted map in recent days, of which there was only one, and the unique IP address of the person viewing the map. The next step was to identify which internet service provider owned the IP address, Microsoft. Hmm. By serving a second subpoena to Microsoft, requesting the name of the user identified by Expedia on the date and time listed. Who do you think it came up as, buddy? Um, Bill Gates. MSN Maury Travis. No. Sorry, Bill. I love you, actually. <laughs> On June 7th, me too, me too. On June 7th, 2002, Travis was arrested and taken to the St. Louis County Jail. The police and the FBI searched Travis's home in the St. Louis suburb of Ferguson. You've heard of Ferguson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. They found blood splattered throughout the house. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> Belts and ligatures with blood on them. Oh, I mean, this is just found a their sickening man. scene, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. To come across this, it's just, oh. you think you're finding a murder, you have no idea the type of murder you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. You know, and filling a filing cabinet with videotapes. Taped oh, no. of Travis's torture and murder of several of his victims. Oh, my God. This didn't start with him videotaping murders. He started with sex workers and him smoking crack together. Then he would take them having sex together, consensual sense at first, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he would take it further and further, just like the drug addict that he was. You know, he was a drug-addicted psychopath. Yeah. He needed more and more. Soon he would be tying the women up and forcing them to do weird rituals, wearing white robes. He would really? Have put these white robes on and then, like, dance around. And then he would, like, duct tape their eyes so that they couldn't see like, so he's like a cultist, sort of like just doing weird stuff. What a whack job. Yeah, the stuff was weird, really weird. He would take the actual torture of these poor daughters, mothers, human beings. Over and over, he would rape, torture, ridicule these women, making them call him master as he raped and berated them. Wow. This must have been terrifying for these women. Yeah, you ain't kidding. I mean, just being raped over and over, tortured. Wondering if anyone was coming for them. Praying harder than they ever have before. Just hoping somebody's going to, like, bust in and save them, you know, while they're just laying on their tied to a freaking pole in the dark basement. But in the end, there would be no one coming. No savior. Mm-hmm. They would just die alone. Mm-hmm. These women were so hated by Travis that he didn't even see them as people, you know? Yeah, yeah, you could tell by the letter that he wrote. Yeah. And how, how, how distraught he was when... That reporter made yeah. made that woman actually sound like a real woman, which she was. Exactly, exactly. His sexual sadistic psychopathy was so far gone that in his mind they were just objects that were serve his needs, you know? Mm-hmm. Not having an ounce of empathy for their pain or the taking of their lives. This is a truly sick man. If he was not captured, he would have never stopped. No, no, yeah, he was he was on a roll. He just he just kept going and just didn't have any ounce of empathy or remorse or he just seemed like he just wanted to keep killing and just keep getting off and doing what he wanted to do. He was sick and sadistic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the torture would have escalated. The murders would have become more frequent. You know? Where would he have stopped? He wouldn't have stopped. No. It just. So let's get into the victims and their lives. Yes. 
Yeah, let's 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 humanize these people as much as we can. I could yeah. not find much to say about. So I, I got a question that I wanted to stop you on earlier. Yeah, the first known victim of Marie Travis was Mary Shields, age sixty-one. The second victim that was found and linked to Travis was Elisa Greenwade, thirty-four. Oh, okay, Greenwade. Okay, she was found in Washington Park. This woman was tied up, poked and prodded with a stun gun, then strangled to death all on camera. Jeez. In one video, he has a woman tied up to a pole in the basement. He told her, I can't hear you. Speak clear. And she replies weakly, you are the master. It pleases me to serve you. Travis forces her to repeat this over and over while she cries. Oh, my God. Then he says, you sorry? She responds, yes. He says, sorry for what? She murmurs, defeated, just completely defeated. Sorry for everything. Oh, my God. Then he scolds her for getting into the car with a stranger. And then asks if she has anything last to say to her kids. Are you kidding me? No. What a sick and sadistic man. Oh, man. And the woman told her children that she was sorry. Oh, my God. He says, you over here on your back smoking crack with me? You ain't going home tomorrow. I'm going to keep you about a week. Only one of the women was ever identified from the tapes. Really? Betty James. Yep. She was shown being raped and tortured on the tapes, and her body had previously been found in St. Louis Alley, bound with duct tape and beaten to a pulp. There is not much known about the women that were murdered in, in that basement. Here are the other women he has been attributed with. Teresa Wilson, Verona Thompson, Yvonne Cruz, and Brenda Beasley. There's other women that they think that he did, but there's no semen found in them, and I'm not going to mention them just because if my daughter was out there and I didn't know what happened to her, the last thing I want, if I don't know for sure, is to have that in my head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, like, I don't if blame you. don't you. know for sure, then I don't think you should be throwing that around just to, like, sensationalize yeah. this guy, you know? I respect that. Yeah, that's 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 good. Because I wouldn't want somebody doing that to my daughter, mm-hmm. you know? God, man. It's still it's, horrible it's, enough, seven women, yeah. that they, I know for sure, you know? Yeah. While in police custody, Travis squawked when these women were called victims. He had a different idea in his head of them. He took out on these women everything that he hated about himself. This is my opinion. He hated the fact that he smoked crack. So he would take these women downstairs and punish them for smoking crack. Mm -hmm. He loathed himself for never having the same emotions as people around him. He hated the fact that he had to fake emotions, kindness, and heart. So he took these women down to the basement and hurt them in hopes that he may feel something himself. Yeah. Travis had this little secret part of him that he would never share with anyone. When the secret was found out, he just couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. You know, only three days after the FBI and local police arrested him, Travis hung himself. One last selfish act. What a piece of garbage. So he couldn't even answer for his crimes. No. Wow. He took them around, driving around, telling them, oh, I'll take you to a body, I'll take you to a body, and then we be like, just take me back, just take me back. Really? So he just let the police on? And, and just... he kept saying things like alluding to the fact that he was going to kill himself, that he wasn't going back to prison. So they had him on suicide watch. And while on suicide watch, the guy that was supposed to be watching him missed two checks. That's how he died. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And they wouldn't give his name. They wouldn't. They said that he'll be punished. Maybe even fired, but they wouldn't give his name out. They just said that a deputy 
was supposed to be watching him. He missed mm-hmm. two checks, and then on the third check, found him hung. So or not, they say hung, but really, so he tied his hands behind his back. He stuffed part of his pillowcases up down his throat and like choked himself with it somehow, like, and then wrapped something around his neck also. Wow. So he wasn't like hanging, you know, but they say yeah. hanging, but it really yeah. was just like, just like asphyxiation or that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, asphyxiation, yeah. you know, and like people say, did the cops kill him? You know, stuff like that. Like he couldn't kill him, but he wrote a suicide note. He wrote one to his mother. And he was already on suicide watch, so he just found a way to off himself. Yeah. What a selfish piece of garbage. I mean, he writes this note to his mother, is the last suicide note, saying, like, I'm sorry this has happened to me. Like, I'm sorry that this is shame is going to be brought down on you. Like, he was, it was just like that little secret. He couldn't take it being found out, you know. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. People said, like, he might not have been a rememberable person, you know. But he was always nice to people. Nobody, everybody was surprised. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, those no things one suspected him. Nobody thought, you know what I mean? Like, this guy had a normal childhood. He acted like, I mean, he was a crackhead. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. there's lots of people with addiction that don't kill. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, addiction's a real thing. It's a real disease, you know? Yeah. You don't have to kill with a disease. You, get, you can get help. You know, I mean, crack was big in the 80s and, you know, what happened with the crack pandemic and whatnot? I mean, the government handled it all wrong. Yeah, like you know. They, I mean, that's what they're doing with the opioid epidemic, and they're actually handling it well. I don't know if they're handling it correctly, but they're handling it better than what they do with the the crack epi- epidemic. So, and this hurt the black community because so crack is cheaper than cocaine. Okay, it's the same exact thing. Yeah. Okay, but if you got caught with say an ounce of crack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same as getting caught with like five pounds of cocaine. Yeah. The punishment. Yep. So this was hurting the black community because they were buying it because it was cheaper than the rich white folks were buying the cocaine. So when they get caught, they just get a slap on the wrist. Yeah. But yeah. For whatever reason, these laws were made to punish crack users harshly. You know, mm-hmm. so he got off easy for those robberies. He only got five years. Like that was like a light sentence. You know yeah. what I mean? For yeah. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For a crackhead, basically, you know. I mean, there's so many families out there that will never know what happened to the loved ones. This, this, this what gets me about this case. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's just not fair. Like they had to get like therapy for the people that watch these videos. They're so horrible. Oh, I could imagine. I couldn't even. I couldn't even imagine watching one of those. Like one of the types says, like this is like worse than having to use your firearm. You know what I mean? Mentally. Yeah. Like it is so yeah. bad to watch this. It would just crush me i could never do it they no. have them online i'm like there's no way no way they actually have them online it the actual videos pieces, and pieces. no no thank you like, <laughs> no uh, thank you when this first came out they were online you could get them and a lady on our one of our groups that we are you know a part of the true yep. crime groups yep when i was saying that i want to do this case and know yep. that anybody had information she said that she watched part of the tapes and i'm like you oh my god! You could not no, pay. no, it's not worth it. Uh, uh-uh. uh, I don't want that image in my head. Like, I'm not one of those true crime people that like want to watch like crime scene photos. No, and no, stuff the, like that. the stuff's interesting, you know, but not not to watch the stuff. No, it's it's horrifying. That's just just to think about. It. I mean, you just reading the stories is just you know a lot of the stuff makes my stomach turn. You know, <laughs> I listened but, to a part of it though. Yeah, they had like a snippet of him. That part that I read were, was quotes of him mm-hmm. on there, and it, it is like. 
just to know that there's a woman that, you know, may or may not have been a sex worker, but just somehow ended up in that basement just completely alone. And like her last week or month or whatever was just being tied to that pole when he needed her for his sadistic things. You know, she would, it's like a doll I would take out and play breaks with. Breaks my heart, man. And that's how, like, her last days were. You know what I mean? Like, breaks my heart. Apologizing to her kids. It you know what I mean? It breaks like, my heart. I, I, I can't say that. Uh, like, I'm, my heart's breaking. <laughs> it's really sad. You know? Yeah. And, and still to this day, they haven't been able to identify these women. You know? He took his secrets to the grave. You know? that That's the worst thing that he did. Yeah. Like, that's the greatest... The most heinous act he did yeah. was taking his own life. The greatest disjustice to uh, to these women. He's like Ted Bundy. He just he took those kills with him to the grave. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't give them up. He could have got life in prison, you mm-hmm. know, avoided the death penalty if he had just given names. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Identified the women in the... He didn't want to go back to jail. But he was, you know, when interviewed, he, was, he, he didn't know their names, you know what I mean? Like, he just, they were not even people to him. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't care about them. Not at all. He didn't, not, not that any serial killer really cares about their victims, but he didn't have an ounce of empathy at all. There was no. nothing to this man. He was just a sadistic man that didn't care about anything. No, and it's like, you know, if in my opinion, like they say, like, okay, well, this guy was beat when he was a kid. He had a horrible childhood, blah, 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 and that's why he killed. No, it's like he was a psychopath. You know, you're born a psychopath. Yeah. You don't have, you're able to hurt others because you don't have the empathy, but then you amplify that. With crack and it gets you all horned up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then that's like a, a horrible combination. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the case of Maury Travis. So do you have anything else uh, you want to add, buddy? I mean, I'm I'm just distraught by this one. This one is, it was a short one, but it was a very tough one, man. This one, uh, just, just thinking about those videos and just, just thinking about those poor women, you know, and, and the fact that we don't even know any of those women or many of those women and it's just... It's heartbreaking. You know, I've said that many times already on this part, podcast on how heartbreaking this actually was. Yeah. And, you know, my, my heart goes out to any of those women. None of them will hear it and their families probably won't. But just out to the general world, you know, my heart yeah. goes out. Definitely. Definitely. You know? And on a lighter note, if um, any of you would like a Murder Incorporated sticker, what can they do, buddy? Well, I believe they can rate and review us. Is that correct? That is true. And if they want to send us their address, we will send them a Murder Incorporated sticker. Yes, we will. Yes. Also, if you guys just want to write out, if anybody knows anything about these victims, I put it out there already, but I'll put it out there again. Write us, and we will do updates on cases. Yeah, know? sure. Absolutely. Because yep. that's what it's supposed to be about. You know? it's, it's this, this podcast is about... The victims. It's not about the murderers. It's not about the sadistic evil men and women that do these horrific things. It's about the victims. Exactly. And what is the email, buddy? I believe it's murderincorporatedpod at gmail.com. I think I'm going to rate and review because I want a sticker. How about you? I want a sticker. Those (laughs) stickers are cool. Yeah. And uh, yes, we'll mail you it right to your address. And you don't even have to give us your name if you don't want. Or just give us your address and we'll mail it to you. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, even if you just shoot us an email telling us how awesome we are, we'll probably give you a sticker. <laughs> but um, I think that's all for this episode, buddy. What about you? Yeah, I think that's it. Um, I- I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. 
All right, guys. Have a good day. Thank you. We love you. We love you guys. We will see you next week, right, buddy? Yes. Yes, we will. Hi. Welcome to The Jury Room, a true crime podcast. My name is Kevin, and I will be your host on this journey. We will be covering some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever be committed against humanity. We will be covering cannibalistic serial killers, decades-old unsolved mysteries, cold cases, missing person cases, and everything in between. The Jury Room Podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms. Please make sure you go subscribe and leave a review.